where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. God's people say it. Amen, amen, amen. Man, what a joy it is to be with you this morning, and i um, just so grateful for worship. I'm grateful for worship through singing, um, but I'm also grateful for worship and God's Word, and I'm excited that we're going to get to dive into that in just a few moments. So if you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope you do, uh, as the uh, slides say, we're going to be in the book of Hosea. Uh, and uh, we're going to be in Hosea chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. And so uh, if you'll be turning there, uh, we'll find ourselves in that in just a second. Um, this morning, though, um, I can't not uh, just remind us, as Sean has already led us in praying for 20 years ago uh, and 9-11. I'm a second-generation firefighter. Uh, my father was a firefighter. My brother was a firefighter. I'm now a firefighter. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it's, a, it's an unusual family within fire service. I mean, it just is. Uh, you know, uh, the guys that are full-time, the men and women that are full-time, uh, there are some that do 24-hour shifts. There are some that do 48-hour shifts. Uh, and so the, the amount of time that they spend together in a firehouse is just crazy. To be honest with you, it's it's a, it's a little unusual because the amount of time that they spend together is almost more than the time that they actually spend with their own family. And so they become so close and so intertwined, and it's just a beautiful thing. And, uh, and I'm not uh, a professional firefighter. Uh, what that means is, is I'm not a full-time dude, uh, so I don't get paid uh, for what I do. Uh, it is a little different. Yes, in the county now we do get some stipends, but I've never taken a stipend because it's hard for me to have the word volunteer next to my name as a firefighter and then take a stipend. And I'm not hating on those that do, but my dad was a firefighter, a volunteer firefighter, and so that's kind of my model. But I happened to be the chaplain for the Jackson Fire Department on September 11, 2001. And uh, we had 497 firefighters under the leadership of my chaplainsley there. And, uh, you know, at, at the point the first plane hit, it was hard to think about the fact that, you know, the Today Show and Good Morning America was saying it was a small Cessna. It was a, it was a private plane, and maybe the pilot just lost uh, his focus. And at 7.46 a.m. Central Time, the first plane hit that first tower. Then it 8.03 Central Time, the second plane hit that tower, and we realized real quickly that it was not just a little Cessna that had kind of gotten off route, that this was a horrific terrorist act against American people. And, and church, I'll even go further and say that it was against the American people because of the fact of what this country was founded on, and it was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so therefore there is a hatred toward the name of Jesus. I don't know if you know that or not. But what I need you to hear this morning is, church, is that the enemy was alive 20 years ago, but can I tell you something? The enemy was alive 2,000 years ago. 
And I don't know if you've heard or not, but my Jesus and your Jesus, if he's your Savior and your Lord, he defeated that battle. Okay, he finished that fight. He put it in the ground. He put the nail in the final coffin, and he said it's over. So I don't know where you find yourself, but, but I think too often we have become a weak people. Just hear me. And, and I know you think that I'm trying to be national, like a nationalism guy or an American guy or, or, or patriotic. Hey, I'm all those things, all right? But that's not what I'm talking about. We've become a weak people of followers of Jesus because of the simple fact we sing songs like this on Sunday morning that he fights our battles and, and that, 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 that he brings down armies from heaven to fight our battle. But then we live as if we're afraid. We live as if we're afraid. And I don't know where you are this morning, but I need you to hear me, church. If you have Jesus as your Savior and your Lord and you have put your faith and trust in him and you are walking with him, there is nothing that man can do to you. And so this morning, 20 years later, the enemy would want us to run and hide and act as if we are defeated. I will not, and I will not lead us to run and hide. But instead, we, instead we will stand bold in the face of the enemy and say, not today, Satan, because Jesus is king. Can I get an amen for that? Let's pray together. Father, I have the unbelievable task of walking us through Hosea chapter 1 this morning. And God, just like I'm not afraid of any man-made enemy or any principality that has been attacking me this week in spiritual darkness is I have tried to be true to your word. God, you know exactly what battle I'm talking about. And God, I ask you in Jesus' name right now before the church that I have the privilege of being called their shepherd, that you would forgive me of my frustration and my doubt as I have fought this battle this week. And I pray that they would forgive me that I didn't stand in the face of the enemy, that I was weak and I was overwhelmed but Father God, I stand before you this morning as your vessel and as your instrument. And God, as we just sang, my weapon will be a melody. Because I'm going to sing this sermon this morning. Because it is a sermon that you have written on my heart. And God, I get it. We are looking at a minor prophet called Hosea who married a chick named Gomer who happened to be a prostitute. And God, when we start wrapping our minds around that, that's a little overwhelming for a 9 a.m. service. But God, I'm thankful that if you wrote it in the 66 books of the Bible that you've given us, then it must be important and it deserves to be preached. But God, I pray this morning, as Jay did last week, I pray this morning as we will today and over the next several weeks. God, I pray that we would see this redemptive story, not between Hosea and Gomer, but between you as our God and we as your people. And God, the world wants us to think that we're not your people, but we are your people. 
And the world wants us to think that you will have no mercy. But God, I am a pitcher of mercy this morning. And I'm begging you in Jesus' name to forgive me of my junk, clean me up, use me as a vessel, even though I am not deserving. And God, give us ears and hearts to receive. And oh, yes, Jesus, if it is not too much to ask, would you show up and show out in these moments to you be the glory and you be the praise in Jesus' name. And look at me, church. Do not say this word unless you agree with what we just prayed because there is a spiritual war that is going on in this place right now, and we have to cast that out. And when you say amen with me, you are agreeing that he has no place in this place. And all God's people said? Amen. This morning, uh, so thankful for my good friend Jay Parks. Uh, I'm going to pick on him because he picked on me, and I think he forgets that our services are on TV. And so while I was on my way to Atlanta last week, I watched him preach. Here's a reality, and you just need to hear this, okay? And I, and I tell people this all the time, and they sometimes, for some reason or another, miss it, all right? Don't ever mess with the preacher, all right? And the reason I say that is he's going to get another opportunity to be on the platform before you probably are going to get another opportunity to be on the platform. And a brother has no problem with picking on you, right, Huck? But sometimes when you pick on me, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Like, man, I can throw it, I can throw it, I can throw it, but you start throwing it back, man, I want to put up the dukes. That dude made fun of me last week. I mean, just straight up made fun of me. Yeah, I know Hawaii was hard. I get it. And I'm not joking that. Like, the lostness there, the idol worship there, man, crazy. But Lord, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you want to put a fish around that much water, brother's in, okay? No, I was so grateful that God would build that relationship years ago, first of all, between Jay and I and April and Beth and I, and now with Molly and Jackson and Adam and Caleb. You know, I took Caleb to Peru, and Adam gets on a plane and goes with his mama to Hawaii, and he comes home, true story, Lee, comes home and looks at me point blank and says, Dad, I think I'm called to Hawaii. <laughs> me too, son. But so thankful that for seven plus years, there's been a partnership between a little church. Check this out, church, in Lafayette County, Mississippi, where Jay Parks happened to grow up. And he would allow us to partner with New Life Church in Kona, Hawaii, and that we would get to be a part. Now, listen to this now. Lafayette County, not Lafayette County, okay? We are not Cajuns. We are Mississippi country folks, and we... we, we, we there's city country, hear me, church. There's city south and there's country south. We country south, are you with me? But we got to be a part of people coming to know Jesus in Hawaii. And then bless Jay and his family's heart, lose his dad, patriarch of the family, mom being here. I know his sister and other family members are here, but just that pool to be with his mom, and God brought them back, and 
he confused about where he's at and what he's doing and dude can preach and does ministry. And I said, hey, man, go get you a part-time job. We'll hire you part-time for now and figure out what all this looks like. And the bro, man, God used him last week. And I'm grateful for that. Now, he practically preached all of Hosea chapter 1 without using certain terminology because he didn't want to use that terminology because he said it was difficult, okay? Well, when you're the pastor of the church, you don't get to run from difficult wording, okay? So I don't know if you remember CDs, all right? They're these really cool things that came in squares about like this, and they had really cool printed stuff in it. And on the back, there was like your song list, like one through five, one through 10, whatever. Well, I worked in a place in Cleveland, Mississippi called Sound Center, all right? And the reason I worked there is in the 90s when you grew up, uh, most of us uh, that are 90 kids that grew up in the 90s, we usually had something in our trunks or behind our seat called woofers. All right? And, and they did a little bumping and thumping and that kind of thing. And here was the reality. Most of the CDs that you would buy at Sound Center, the ones that bumped the most, had a parental advisory on the CD. Now, I'm just confessing my sins to you this morning, okay, uh, because of the explicit content within that CD. And Sound Center was the place where people would boycott Sound Center because we, sang, we, we sold those CDs and that kind of thing because it had a parental advisory on it and it had explicit content. I so badly wanted to put up the parental advisor logo this morning and put, put explicit content this morning in front of you because as we dive into Hosea chapter 1, I'm going to use some terminology in church. I'm not using it because I'm trying to be funny. I'm using it because that's what's written in Scripture. And when you start talking about whoredom, okay, and you start talking about God told a prophet to go marry a woman named Gomer, Gomer, what was her mom thinking? Gomer. And what's your girl's name? Gomer. I said, what's your girl's name? Gomer. Okay? But then you find out, and here's the thing, all right? He did an amazing overview, but there's, these, there's this debate, and it's been a debate for a long time about the minor prophet Hosea, and we'll get to minor in just a minute. But Hosea, some think that she wasn't a prostitute before. She became a prostitute later. I'm kind of of the camp. She was what she was, and she still was what she was. Are you with me? And you're going, that's not real good English. I'm not trying to have good English right there. She was a woman of the night, and she was in and out and through places that she wasn't supposed to be. But here's what I want you to see, church, and what we're going to begin to see this morning as we, design, as we dive into Hosea, the redemptive pursuit that God has for his people. And here's the thing, church, don't miss this, that we should have for our God. I get that we love God pursuing us, but I think part of my spiritual war this week and a part of my spiritual warfare is, is God's reminding me, church, of how much he pursues me, but he's also reminding me that I ought to pursue him back. Can I tell you something else that God taught me this week? And this is going to be a shocker for some of y'all. 
But I love my wife a lot more often more than I love my God. And you know that, what that calls me? You know what lifestyle that says that I am committing? Whoredom. I don't know if you know this or not. It's not a hard word to say. Whoredom. And you're like, but it's what it means. Isaiah says that your righteousness and my righteousness, righteousness is but filthy rags. We don't have time to talk about what that means. But it's nasty. And that's your righteousness. That's what you bring to the table. That's what I bring to the table. Just another quick reality. There are 12 minor prophets. It does not mean that they're minor because they're like the minor leagues, okay? It's about length. They're called minor prophets and major prophets based on their length. I want to read this because somebody said it a lot smarter than I could. But listen to this. Hosea is one of the 12 minor prophets. And it has to do with length in them. For example, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel are major prophets, and their books are longer than the 12 minor prophets, Malachi, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Nahum, Micah, Jonah, Obadiah, Amos, Joel, and Hosea. Not like the minor prophets or the minor leagues, and the major prophets are the professionals or the major lead, minor in length, not message. So this is what I want you to hear. I don't want you to think just because it's a minor prophet, it doesn't apply to me and you. The other thing that I don't want you to miss is, is just because it's in the Old Testament does not mean that it does not affect us as New Testament believers. What I need you to see this morning is Hosea might be one of the first pictures in the minor prophets, and most likely many theologians say it is the first picture in the minor prophets of when the gospel is actually displayed for us in the Old Testament. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the Old Testament has but one agenda, and it is to tell us Jesus is coming. And you're like, are you mad? No, not yet. I'm just a little bit passionate this morning because I know who he says I am. And I know that we're going to win. Amen? So again, just another disclaimer, because we live in this world of, you didn't tell me. Or, hey, why didn't you communicate to us that it was going to be this bad? Time out right here. Look at me. I'm about to preach Hosea chapter 1, God talking to prophet Hosea, go pick you a wife who happens to be a prostitute. There are other words for that, and their lifestyle in which they lived is called whoredom. Can I explain it any more in detail to you about, to you for what's about to happen? Right now, there are people watching us online said, Johnny and Susie, you need to go to your room and play Nintendo Switch. And there's some of you looking at your child right now going, this is going to be an awesome lunch conversation. I told you. So do not kill the messenger. Are we understanding? You had every opportunity to send your kids to the next generation. You just had every opportunity to walk out the door, but you didn't. So we're here, right? Good. Let's dive in. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. 
the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Bera, in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah and kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Josiah, king of Israel. And when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord, when the, when the Lord first spoke to, through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go and take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom for, for, by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblem, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. For in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end of the kingdom to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 6, she conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy. Now I was picking on Gomer a minute ago. All right, and I know Jay did a good job of this last week. Poor old Molly got just considered to be no mercy in the Parks family. Jackson got to be called Jackson, and he was using his daughter as an example. What if he and April would have said, let's name our daughter Molly no mercy? But the amazing thing here is, is that Hosea and Gomer are now... They, they've had a son. His name is Jezreel. Look at verse 6. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name no mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. I know he did a beautiful job talking last week about the divided kingdom. That's why that fits in right there. There's a northern kingdom. There's a southern kingdom. And he's saying, Hey, look, I'm about to bring the thunder. He says, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah, verse 7, and I will save them by the Lord their God, and I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. And when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God, and the children of Judah, and the children of Israel, Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Jezreel. And then Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. And say to your brothers... You are my people, and your sisters, you have received mercy. What we do now when we go through books of the Bible, like Hosea, we then break them down verse by verse, and that's what we're about to do. So kind of as an introduction, what I want you to see in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Hosea. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea. What a time to be serving the Lord it must have been for Hosea. Murder, idolatry, and mortality were rampant in the land, and nobody seemed to be interested in hearing the word of the Lord. And on top of that, God told his prophet to get married and raise a family, and oh, by the way, you're going to marry a prostitute, my brother. But I want you to see this morning, when it says the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Bariah in the days of Uzziah and Jotham, and he's saying all these people for a reason, because there were murder and there was immortality and there was all this thing going on. Does it sound familiar 
my church. Does it sound familiar this morning, church, that we live in a time where it is rampant around us? And we'll be patriotic when patriotism is convenient. And we'll be faithful and spiritual when it's convenient. But God isn't asking for that, church. He wants it all. Are you hearing me this morning, church? Can you imagine what it must have been like for Hosea? And this week, as I'm studying this and as I'm preparing, I see when it says, and the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, check this out. Do you realize that the the, the name Hosea in Hebrew comes from the same verb as Joshua and Jesus, meaning to check this out, church, to save and deliver. You're going to have a wife named Gomer. You're going to have a daughter named No Mercy. You're going to have a son named Not My People. But guess what, Hosea, what your name means? Save and deliver. Have you ever gone in a truck stop before? And you saw that little car where it had your name on it, told you what your name meant? That's not what I'm talking about right now. Because I don't know if you know this or not, they'll take unusual names and say it means this and that and that kind of thing, and they lying to you, okay? Your name don't mean that. Like I have people all the time say, I guess fish means fisher of men, right? No, it means that I had a real bad speech impediment when I was a kid, couldn't swim and couldn't speak very well. I got thrown in the pool and learned how to swim, period. I know you want it to be an unbelievable, awesome story that I fish for people, and yes, that's what I do now, but can I tell you something? The name was a traumatic event in my life. But Hosea, the same verb is used here as Joshua and Jesus, meaning save or deliver. Look at verse 2. Go and take yourself a wife. Lord, you said, what? Go and take yourself a wife. He was commanded to marry. God instructs Hosea to marry, but foretells that his wife's unfaithfulness will be an image. Hear this, church. The unfaithfulness of Gomer is this image of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. And oh, wait on it, wait on it. It is also an image and a picture for us of our unfaithfulness to God. And you're like, I'm in church. Why are you saying I'm unfaithful? Because that's all you ever do is just come to church. You're like, I guess you don't want me to come back. To be honest with you, if you're coming back because I like you being here, you probably need to go somewhere else. We don't give out stars here. We don't give out check marks. You ain't going to get a ribbon because of your perfect attendance. You are here not because of me or because of you. You're here because of him. And he said so. He said, set aside a day for your Sabbath. Set aside a day where you worship. And church, here's the sad thing. You and I are all guilty of coming to church, giving Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit 60 minutes of our life and going, we gave it to him. Think about the amount of time you give your business. Think about the amount of time you give your hobbies. Think about the amount of time it took for us to play that game last night. Seriously, full on this, they'll blame it on that. We had no problem being there. Why? Because we will give of ourselves to everything but him. But he says in Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, go and take yourself a wife. So he said that, so we hear, we meet 
a bit of a problem, Wearsby says. Because in every Bible study, or every Bible student, excuse me, agrees on what kind of Gomer is. Either she's a prostitute beforehand or she becomes one afterwards. Either way, when, when you might think that your marriage is bad, it could be worse. It could be worse. In the Old Testament, prostitution is a symbolic of idolatry or unfaithfulness to God. Look at Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deolim. And God spoke of Hosea, spoke Hosea, God spoke, Hosea answered by doing what he asked him to do. So in verse 3, look at what it says. So, so he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deolim, and she conceived and bore sons. So here's what I want you to see. In verse 2, what does it say? Ho, the, the, the word of the Lord came to Hosea and he says, go take yourself a wife and go take Gomer. And what did Hosea do, church? He went and married Gomer. I want to ask you something this morning. How many of you this morning, or not this morning, but this week, did God tell you to go do something and you just jumped right up off out of your chair, out your bed, got out of your truck, got out of your car, and you went and did exactly what God commanded you to do? If you're like me, God told you to do a whole lot of stuff and you didn't do a whole lot of stuff. And then you want to know why your relationship with God is not like it is because it's a one-way street. You want what he brings you, but you're not willing to do what he tells you to do. You see that unfaithfulness? You see that picture there? Stay with me. God spoke. Hosea answered, doing what it was asked of him. If Hosea had married a pure woman who later became unfaithful, verse 2, Hosea, go to take yourself a wife of whoredom, has to mean a wife prone to wonder and who will commit it later. How could God ask a faithful servant like Hosea to marry a defiled woman? Oh, man, this is good. And oh, by the way, we ain't going to get out on time today, so just stay with me. How could he ask Hosea to marry a defiled woman? I'm glad you asked. If we are his bride, and oh, by the way, church, we're defiled. We're a bunch of prostitutes. We are living whoredom in every way of the word. And we're sleeping around with every other God on the planet and every other idol that you could possibly imagine. And what does God continue to say to us? I love you anyway. So we look at Hosea and go, man, I, you got to be kidding me. And God says, I do it in your life every single day. Keep going with me. Wiersbe says, why not? We might as well ask, could God permit Ezekiel's wife to die? Remember that story? If you're new to, the, new to Scripture, go check out the book of Ezekiel. His wife died. Though marrying a prostitute might not be the safest step to take, such marriages were forgiven, or excuse me, forbidden only to priests. Look at Leviticus 21.7. They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled. Neither shall they marry a woman divorced from her husband. For the priest is holy to his God. Church, here's what I want you to see. It says only a priest cannot marry that person. I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm about to drop it on you. There's forgiveness for what I'm about to say to you, but I think we don't preach it from the pulpits because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't know if you noticed this or not. God hurt my feelings this week. So you're just going to be a recipient of what I've already received. You're welcome. For every one of us, 
that did things that we were not supposed to do before we entered into the covenant of marriage, we were no better than a prostitute. Stay with me, church, because it's about to get real, real quick. For every one of us that have looked and had thoughts in our mind since we've been married to our spouse are no better than Gomer the prostitute. And here's what I'm doing. I'm being nice about looking. Some of us have been all up in the middle of the acts beforehand and afterhand. And here's the sad thing. We say that we love our wives and we say that we love our children and we're committing adultery against them every single day by loving everything else in our life more than we love them. But here's the sad thing. Our family takes the blunt of it. But God, who we how, how there's such whoredom in our lives and in our decisions and in our lifestyle. He keeps saying, you're not my people, but guess what? My promise will be fulfilled. I am going to call you my people because I do not make a promise that I do not fulfill. And oh, get this, church. If you think you're saved because of you, you're crazy. You couldn't save yourself if you tried. He gave you the gift of salvation. But we look at him, we're like, you got to be kidding me. Solomon married Rahab, the harlot, which is another word for a prostitute. Or if you take whoredom and you divide the word into two different words, okay, it's another word for that. The harlot, which is another word used to describe a prostitute, she became the great-great-grandmother of King David. And oh, by the way, if we had time to go look at Matthew 1, 4 through 5, what you would see is when they do the, the genealogy of Jesus, guess who was the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus? Rahab. We're talking about a prostitute is the great-great-great descendant Rahab. Jesus, are you kidding me? I'm not. This is what's so beautiful about it. God can take the dysfunction in our lives and use it as a function to bring people to his glory and his fame. So if you're here today and you're going, man, I, I, I'm in bad shape. No, you're not. There's hope for that. But check this out, church. However, unfaithfulness will always lead to pain. There are consequences of unfaithfulness. And in Hosea chapter 1, 4 through 9, we see the name calling begin. We see Jezreel, the son. Look at what it says, beginning in verse 4. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu. Guys, we don't have time to look at that, but here's the reality. Jehu, the king, had caused all these problems for God's people. And God said, check this out. I will put an end to that. I will finish that. And so his first son, oh, by the way, we know this happens to be Hosea's son because what does the scripture says? And she bore him a child. So if you're here today and you're questioning all of this, You need to understand that God will bring justice to all things. Keep reading with me. Keep reading with me. It says, the first child, Jezreel, which means God sows or God scatters. It was also a city where King Jehu executed the family of Ahab. Through the birth of this son, God is saying through his prophet as an announcement that he would avenge innocent blood shed by Jehu and put an end to Jehu's dynasty that was fulfilled in 70, 
752 B.C. when Zechariah was assassinated because he was the great-great-grandson of Jehu and the last of his dynasty in his reign. Here's what I want you to see this morning in this main deal. When we start name-calling like Jezreel, there is meanings behind that name. Keep with, reading with me. The second child. The second it says she conceived again and bore a daughter. Look at what it says. It doesn't say she bore him a child. It says she bore a child. Do you see that, church? This is her lifestyle of hoarding. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her no mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all, but I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by their Lord their God, and I will not save them by a bow or by a sword or by a war or by horses or by, or, by, or by horsemen. And when she had weaned, no mercy. Say what? No mercy. Look at Psalm 27. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And church, this is what I want you to see this morning. I don't care about time. Don't miss this. What you need to see this morning is, is God is saying through Hosea to, to the Israel, and he's saying to us to Today, guess what? You might look as if you have no mercy, but it's not over till I say it's over. It's not finished till I say it's finished. You're looking for an army to fight your battles. You're looking for a government to fight your battles. But we don't trust in that. We trust, we don't trust in chariots. We don't trust in horses. We trust, hear me, church, in the name of the Lord. And I kid you not, when I got to this this week, the enemy started smoking me and hitting me and beating me up. And I was in a funk and I was in a bad place because I knew this to be true, church, but I wasn't believing it. And I wasn't believing it because I was thinking about how much horror I had in my life. How much unfaithfulness I had to the Lord, but I would cover it up by coming to church. I would cover it up by saying the right things and praying the right prayers. And God said, I don't want that. I want your heart. I want your life. Stay with me, church, and look at what it says. Hosea 1, 8, 9. She conceived and bore a son, and the Lord said, Call his name, not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. The birth and the naming of a child makes it explicit. He is not Hosea's son. So now you understand what I wanted to do, the parental um, advisory, and I wanted to say explicit content, because I don't know if you know this or not, one of the most difficult things for a father to find out to, is he's married to his wife, or he's in a relationship with this woman, and he finds out that his wife is with child, and she goes, oh, by the way, he's not yours. Stay with me, church, and don't miss this, because I'm almost there. We have become illegitimate children. Look at me, church. We've become illegitimate children. We, we know who our father is, but we deny him. If you're a father in this place today, if you're truly a dad in this place today, if you had the privilege be called daddy in this place today. It does not matter what your child does. It does not matter what your child says. It does not matter the life that they keep running after. Look at me, church. You are still going to love your children. 
You might not like it. You might not agree with it. You might not be jumping off the rooftops and cheering and saying, this is my boy, this is my daughter, have no mercy, not my people. But here's what I want you to see. God is the father of his people, and he will not deny his children. Can I get some praise this morning for that? I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I feel like that I'm never going to win this battle. And man, sometimes I feel like because of my sin and our sins that we're never going to get through this. However, I'm thankful for the covenant that God made with Abraham. I am who you say I am, God. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. It's never over until God says it's over. In closing this morning, look at the language here he uses. is the same language that God uses with Abraham. Look at verse 10. Yet the number of your children in Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, in which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. The failure of Israel to live up to the demands of the covenant of Sinai could not, could not nullify. Look at me, church. Because of their disobedience, because of my disobedience, because of your disobedience, it could not nullify the promise that God made with his people. And then look at Hosea chapter 2, verse 1. So say to your brothers, Hosea, you are my people. And say to your sisters, you have received mercy. Will you stand with me? You ever wanted a do-over? I mean, it's only 10.07. You ever wanted a do-over? When I get to this verse, seriously, on Thursday afternoon, I had spent six hours in God's Word that day. It was awesome, by the way. And I get to this point, and I am being, I'm, look at me, church, I am being smoked by Satan. I got thoughts in my mind and in my heart. I mean, I'm in a bad place. But then I read this verse. Say to your brothers, oh, by the way, remember, you're not my people, Satan says. What's God's word says? In Hosea chapter 2, it's the redemptive love story of God's love for his people. You are my people. Look at me, church. He says we are his people. And he says, look, the enemy says that he's not going to have mercy. No mercy. But say to your sisters, you have received mercy. So here's the do-over. The band's about to lead us in a song that we've already sung. And the reason I'm calling it a do-over is because is we all missed it. Oh, yeah, we sang. I am who I say I am. And, and, and we did the normal Bible Belt Southern deal. We sang what was on a screen. But we didn't sing it from our heart. Every last one of us prostitutes. 
Every last one of us, a lifestyle of whoredom. And we don't deserve to be his children. And we don't deserve to be shown mercy. But he says you are his children, and he will show mercy. And that deserves a declaration of praise this morning. And church, here's what I want you to understand. A declaration of praise that might make you feel a little uncomfortable. Because I am who you say I am. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.